Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, if you're in the market for getting a brand new pocket knife, go to marketing at axontire.com and they'll send you a free Alliance uh, Tire branded pocket knife. Uh, just give them your details, tell them the Moving Iron Podcast sent you, and they'll send it to you in the mail. So just go to marketing at axontire.com to get that free pocket knife. Valid Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a construction dealer, not from a construction dealer, just a dealer in general, an auction or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at AgDirect. Dot com. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial of Boca Raton, Florida, and Sean's nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Always glad to talk agriculture and weather, my two favorite topics. You can't beat it with a stick, right? <laughs> I love that saying. <laughs> it makes no sense, but I love it. <laughs> All right. uh, wait, 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 what you said. What you said, yes. <laughs> right on. Sean, there's uh, you put up. I actually put a report out this morning. I was reading through. I was getting ready for the show, and there was a uh, another stratospheric warming event coming through. And typical nature here out here in the Panhandle. Typically, uh, late February, all of March, and about half of April, we get a uh, a significant dose of winter, and it looks like we're going to get that. You are. Um, you know, we've been dealing with a stretch polar vortex for all of January, and and. And most of February here, we've been having this destabilizing polar vortex, but we haven't had an actual polar vortex event like last February where the stratosphere warms and it displaces the cold air and a piece of the vortex breaks off and heads to the panhandle of Nebraska. Um, so uh, we think that we are setting up for one of those to potentially develop. We are clearly going to get a big warming event in the stratosphere at the end of the month. And usually, if you look at the timing mechanism, it, with 30 to 40 days after the completion of a sudden stratospheric warming event, you, the stratosphere could connect with the troposphere and create one of these polar vortex events. So we'll be looking for that type of an event to occur later on in March into the first half of April, exactly when you would expect it in the panhandle of Nebraska. So. I can't wait, Sean. I'm super excited. Probably, hopefully, we get a bunch of snow out of the deal because we need some moisture out here. So hopefully, we'll get... This is going to contribute significant storminess, a lot of snow, uh, a lot of, um, you know, uh, bombogenesis kind of, uh, of, uh, you know, blizzard-like conditions. And I do think you're going to get, not that that is great overall conditions when you're uh, experiencing it, but it will provide some moisture for an area 
out your way, which has missed, um, has not had much precipitation in quite a long time. Yep. So, yep. So hopefully we get some good stuff out of that. All right, Sean, let's jump in and talk about the soft markets here. It's soft market Thursday. That's what we're going to start calling this. So <laughs> I, like the, I like the ring of that. Let's start with energy first. So I, you know, we were, uh, United States for the longest time had been energy independent. We've had uh, a fair amount of our own oil that we've pumped through and reused via fracking and other sources of of oil um, production. And now I'm reading articles about um you know, this situation with Russia and all the stuff that's going on there. Russia is one of the larger oil-producing countries in the world. So if there is an issue with Ukraine, you can see a huge spike in the price of oil. Geopolitical things tend to do that with oil pretty pretty easily. Um, you know, we've got uh, Biden sending a couple of people over to Saudi Arabia to ask them to pump more oil and, you know, to keep the price down. You know, right now, as you take a look what's going on in oil, um, well above, you know, 92 on the West Texas, 94 for Brent. So, I mean, prices are pretty high. Uh, another spike like that would, would show a, a significant jump, probably up well into the $100 range. Um, what's your thoughts on oil and, and what you see happening there? Look, the, the Saudi Arabia and the Middle East have every incentive to pump as much oil as they possibly can, and they keep missing their target. Um a lot. I mean, the, the, the latest figures, they're not even close to pumping what they said they were able to pump. So either that means they're playing games or they don't have the excess capacity that everybody thought right now, That meaning that they're not in a position to actually put it on. We think that's more of what's going on here, that they actually don't have that excess capacity. Um, and because we have done a great job at telling our producers here, we don't want you, please stop, you know, and we don't want to support you at all you know our production engine which had been going crazy is really slow to start up casey because you know it's 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 going to take a while for local u.s producers to say let's go out and start investing again because they know right now the current administration is against them so it's it's put ourselves in 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 a bad spot where we don't have enough production and um and demand continues to be strong and we have these geopolitical concerns on top of weather and um it's just not a good place to be, you know. It's just not the place we would want to be right now, as a as a as a country who's obviously highly uh, a high consumer of energy and crude oil products. Uh, unfortunately, we're just in the wrong spot for where we need to be. Yep. So, you know, that's that's totally agree with all that. Um, let's focus for a minute here on on cotton. Uh, we've talked about cotton uh, quite a bit, and what we see happening in cotton is. There's still that volatility there. We'll still see a, a huge swing one one day to the other, but it's still staying above that 120 range. As you take a look at what's going on in cotton, what are your thoughts there? Is this still a direct correlator back to the to the oil issue, or is this uh, something bigger? Well, I mean, look, there's no doubt that if you if you lay over a crude oil chart on top of a cotton chart, and you run a correlation coefficient study, it's pretty. It's a pretty good correlation between the two because of the competition with synthetic fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very high in cotton prices. We're going to plant a lot of acres. I think the market is just waiting it out right now. I think we've talked about this before. Where they're just going to sit here, make sure that the cotton producer doesn't make any changes. They're going to stick with you know planting more cotton, and then they want to make sure that the weather is conducive to planting that cotton, getting it in the ground. I think once they feel the market feels it's got those cotton acres sufficient acres planted, 
I think they'll be more willing to kind of take their uh, pedal off of the uh, of the price level, let it come down some. And then, of course, it's, then it's just about the growing season. What kind of weather do we have and that sort of thing? So right now, I don't see a lot of upside right now. And of course, I mean, obviously, if 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 crude oil spiked to one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel, uh, Casey, you would have to believe cotton would react. But mm-hmm. absent that, I think cotton is stuck in a sideways trade until acres can get confirmed that uh, that, are, that they've actually planted them, and we're off to a good start. Yeah. So. Okay. One other thing on the energy side I meant to bring up before we jumped <clears throat> over to cotton. Soybean oil and uh, ethanol crush rates, you know, as you look at those things. January came out, all-time record highs again. I mean, everything was just as much as they'd ever done before. Um, ethanol push is still, obviously, price of oil is high, so it's going to be driving up the price of, of biodiesel and ethanol as well. As you look at those two markets, the renewable markets there, what are your thoughts? Well, we've had some really, 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 really good uh, ethanol margins, but they're starting to decline. We're starting to see, we're starting to overproduce a little, it seems to me. We're starting to see those, you know, that uh, you know, that margin decline. And so I think the best days of the corn uh, crush for ethanol is probably behind us. Um, it, it, for the biodiesel, a renewable diesel thing, I mean, we're still running straight, you know, fast ahead. If you look at the global vegetable oil stocks to usage, I think we're at 40 or lows in that ratio. Meaning if you look at canola oil, bean oil, palm oil, you know, all the vegetable oils that are important around the world and what's available against demand, we're really, really low. So, so that's us. And, and, and so if we're going to go forward, Casey, with this push for renewable diesel, at least for the next two years, it looks like we are, you know, the supply demands out of balance. And so I still feel uh, but, you know, soybean oil has a reason to go higher, even if soybeans correct considerably, um, you know, as we move into the spring and summer, if the weather starts to turn a little better for it. We still think that market has a demand-driven story that's sort of independent of what soybean prices themselves do. So, yeah. All right. A week or two ago, we had a conversation about, about rice and wheat and the correlation between the two. And you were talking about a two times and three times correlation uh, to the price of wheat versus the price of rice. Um, right now, uh, the price of wheat is trading, whatever, it is, I can, if I can find it here. Um, wheat is, uh, well, I think last time I checked, right around seven and a half. Does that sound right? Um, Kansas City wheat around eight bucks, I think. All right, so eight bucks. So now you've got uh, rice trading at like 14 88 Almost yeah, around, let's say around fifteen bucks. So, so we're yeah. under two to one, okay. which means rice is 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 historically way too cheap. Okay, way too cheap. I mean, it it it, it, it three to one is when rice starts to get expensive. So, uh, it, it, assuming a flat Kansas City wheat price, twenty four dollar rice would be expensive relative to the price of Kansas City wheat. So, there's a considerable upside in this relationship should the market start to get worried over rice production or start to see significant shifts in demand, which is what you typically see, by the way. Remember, we're moving towards El Nino and away from La Nina as we get into the summer and the fall into 23. That means drought risks grow in India, in Asia, where they grow a lot of rice. Um, And typically rice catches a bid during El Nino developing periods of time. And so I would think given how cheap rice is relative to wheat and given that a more caustic pattern of weather is coming for Asia, 
you know, I, I think that relationship is going to narrow. I mean, I think Rice is going to gain on Kansas City Wheat over time to get that relationship. It doesn't have to go to three to one, by the way, but at least get it to somewhere in, in more in a normal range, two and a half times, something like that. So, gotcha. Okay. All right. Lastly, let's talk about milk for just a second. Uh, milk has done really well. I mean, it's been staying above 20 uh, for the past about month and a half, and it's really been staying there. Uh, you'll see some runs up to 22, uh, and you know, every once in a while, you'll see some 23s in there, but uh, milk's done very well considering where it, how it came from about a you know go back a year and look at what milk's been doing there so we talk when you look at milk what are you thinking well historically we produce our largest amount of milk production in the u.s in the spring it's called the spring flush typically that puts extra cheese on the market and oversupply in the market um and tends to depress seasonally the market from uh you know the first quarter to the second quarter so we need to be mindful of that seasonal pattern um, and, and I would think, you know, we, we've been flirting with all-time highs here, Casey, on the Class 3 price and haven't really been able to get through it. And it looks like we're starting to roll over a little bit. So I think the best odds are that we'll see some weakness into the spring. But if we're correct about a chaotic planting season, some issues with grain markets, some potential blow-off tops and feed prices, I would think that once we get through that spring flush oversupply, you know, we could be looking at a renewed uh, vigor in this market from the spring season you know, into the middle of the summer, and we could see those prices maybe take out those all-time highs and see its own blow-off top. And the history of milk is typically grain prices top out first, and then milk tops out three to three to four, three to five months later. It's a it's a little bit of a deferred topping pattern because of how feed impacts production and the psychology of the market. So, so right now, I'd be a little cautious. Um, prices are decent. I definitely would make sure if I'm a producer, I have enough of my downside protected in case we have a, a valley here in the spring. But um, well, I remain optimistic that prices can head considerably higher as we move into the summer, even into the early fall, before maybe we've priced it all in and some of this weakness in the economy begins to impact milk demand. Right on. All right, Sean. Last but not least, I want to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday in uh in the overall market so you saw some big numbers you know soybeans were up 36 uh corn was up big wheat was up a little bit but i guess as you take a look at what was going on there what was the driving factor yesterday in the market to drive because the day before we'd had a drop off and the day before that we had a big big climb up as you look at that what's your thoughts sir well man we've been playing the geopolitical russia ukraine ropa dope right um it's on it's off it's off it's on it's on it's off it's off it's on so you have a lot of really big short-term hot money traders that are trying to get in and get out. None of this really makes much of a difference, Casey, to the long-term fundamental picture of grains. It just makes a lot of volatility. So I think we had to get those guys out of the market. So right now, it appears for now, you know, Russia's not going in, okay? And so all those guys, so I got them, I'm selling. And then once they stop selling, I'm going to say, wait a minute, you know, South American weather, we're not done with the growing season, still looks dicey. We've got the planting season coming up. Do we really want to crush the grain markets here when ending stocks are historically pretty low? And I think the fundamental trader says, no, we don't. And so the buyer comes back in and buttresses the markets back up. I think that's where we are, that we finally got this speculator out of the geopolitical trade and we get back to the fundamentals. How, much, how many acres are we going to plant? 
What's the spring weather going to be in the U.S.? What's the spring weather going to be in, in Europe? What's the weather going to be for the remaining growing season in second crop corn, in Brazil, and, of course, in grains in Argentina? I think we're getting back to that fundamental trade, and that means the markets need to hang in there until they have some more answers on some of these things because until they do, they're going to worry about not having, not having enough supply. I think yesterday was that uh, that indication that we might finally have gotten these speculators who were trading Russia out of the out of the market for good. So, right on. Okay. Last but not least, Sean, as we head into this this time frame, we talked about the weather. You've talked about it several times on here. Give us a little rundown here of what you think is going to happen heading up into this. Uh, what's going to be a really important planning cycle? Uh, going up going up to what we've seen so far as stocks goes. Give a little background what you see happening there and your thoughts with the weather associated with that. The first thing is we're going this planting season with very low ending stocks. Um, everyone hoped Brazil would save the day and have a record soybean crop. We know that's now not happened. Okay. Um, we don't know exactly yet how, how Argentina is going to turn out, but it probably is going to be okay, but not great. So what that so so what mean what that means, Casey, is South America is not going to put a bunch of ending stocks back into the marketplace, which means our planting season is absolutely critical that it could get off to a great start, it gets in the ground in good condition, and we get off. You know, we, we absolutely need a very, very good planting season. If we do not have a good planting season, like 2019 was the last time we did not have a good planting season, that year we had huge above ground stocks um, and we still had a big rally in grains during that time as you know um, if we have a poor planting season again which is our forecast then you know we could see some real panic in the grain markets over the springtime on worrying over not enough acres and not enough yield at a time when we don't have a lot of ending stocks we already are seeing that China started to pick up their buying of soybeans, for example, recently, mm -hmm. with the idea that South America is going to have less to sell. Um, our overall forecast, Casey, is this. Because of this sudden stratospheric warming event that is going to take place here at the end of the month, if we are, if we are able to develop a polar vortex event in late March into that middle part of April, we could be looking at you know, some historic record cold temperatures, you know, winter-like temperatures, January, February-like temperatures in April with a lot of snow. Um, and, you know, that is going to be, you know, that's, that's going to be a, what I, I always tell my customers, the market anticipates we could have winter in January. They anticipate we can have winter in February. They know March can have winter. They're not anticipating winter in April. It's a game changer if we get this event. And it really could put these gray markets into a, I'm calling it a chaotic period where the fear um, and the panic that would go into worrying that we're not going to be able to deliver enough production at a time of low ending stocks could really set off what we've been saying for a long time, Casey, is you know, what we call these exhaustion tops, these, these potential blow off tops that might you know, price it all in and, and then we're over. So we think now that we're going to have this sudden Stratford warming event, um, there's a pretty good chance we're going to get this late ending winter we've been talking about and set off what could be one of the pretty sig most significant weather anomaly events in the U.S. in a very, very long time. And so we would just be mindful of that. If you're in the livestock business, 
and you're in the business of buying feed, if you're in the ethanol business, you know, buying corn, if you're in the renewable diesel business, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I just think you need to be understanding what, what potential risks you have. If I'm correct about this, what's going to happen here this spring. And if we have these kind of blow off tops and we have these crazy prices for a little while that you're not eating into it or you're not buying into these prices that won't work for you economically. I think if there was ever a time to make sure you're protected to the upside during this potential chaotic planting season, I really would encourage those that are in that position to make sure they got themselves covered. I don't think you want to go into that kind of scenario if we get this and be totally open to the upside. I think you'll be wishing you had done something. Right on. All right. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over there at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com, podcast, white papers, sample reports, all kinds of things to tell your listeners more about what we do to see if we could be of some value. Right on. Check that out, folks. Sean's got a ton of information on his website that you can go just take a look at. So definitely go do that. Uh, over there at his website. So I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, blogs, as well as information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That is September 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Hilton downtown. So check that out. Sean will be there, and he'll give his speech about what he sees happening there. And uh, it'll be a lot of good information. Uh, looking forward to seeing that happen. And kind of like last year, Sean, it'll be kind of right on the, the cusp of it, of it of the switch between El Nino and La Nina all taking place at the same time. Yeah, I have a sneaky suspicion when, 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 I, when I arrive, I might be telling everyone we just entered El Nino, and, uh, and, and it could be a really interesting time to be talking about how important impactful that changes our weather patterns and to shift gears to what we've been talking about now for the last couple of years right so very very good timing i i commend you on the timing of your of your uh of your summit that's what i do man i just I look at the weather and and different weather patterns and like you know it's a good time to have a have a summit right here i think i like that how that works together so sean appreciates being on the podcast man thanks casey see you next week right on man i'm casey seymour with sean hackett let's go with some iron folks Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Yeah.